Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Not Without My Sister. I'm Beatrice McCabe, joined by my sister Rosemary McCabe, who has a few words of beseechingness to say. Never mind. Hello and welcome to Not Without My Sister. <laughs> My eye is beginning to twitch. <laughs> I'm Beatrice McCabe. I'm joined by Rosemary McCabe. <laughs> and before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone, we have a Patreon. So if you want to hear more ridiculousness like this, you can sign up on Patreon for $5 a month. You'll get an extra episode each and every Friday and you'll get your regular episodes without ads. And let me tell you, the Patreon is where Beatrice feels free to get even stupider than she is on the main channel. So you have Excuse that to look me. forward to. I'd like to, I, I mean, I, it's not stupid, right? I was trying to, I just realized I, I cannot clap. As I did that clap. It's not stupid. I just <laughs> realized I can't clap. I tried to She's bang my hands her together. Hands together like a seal, like a rubber seal. Her, her, her fingers are not even connecting. What? Yeah, well, I clapped. Why are your fingers pointing out so wide? It's really I don't weird. know. I clapped and only the inside, the very central sections of my palms connected and it really hurt. And I was like, I cannot clap. Today I thought that I would read you out a letter that I read in The Guardian that I thought was actually very applicable to you. As somebody who works from home and is self-employed, I also thought that would be an interesting thing to talk about. I'm sure lots of people have wondered what it's like to be self-employed. Is it worth it? What are the benefits? What are the pros, the cons, etc, etc. And this was an interesting article because it also included what happens when your mom has an opinion on it. I thought you could probably relate to this. So it says, I'm proud of my career. My mom simply cannot take my work seriously. I don't actually think that's true of you. I think mom takes your work very seriously. But I do know in your past, in your life, even recently, you know, you've mentioned that because you don't have a nine to five job to go to and a paycheck that comes from an employer per se, 
that sometimes people consider your work to be more flexible or less serious or something you kind of have to get done in your spare time, etc. versus I'm working from nine to three. And just because I'm self-employed and I'm choosing that time block, like it still has to be considered work. And I mean, I see it as well myself with the pod, you know, I say to Don, like, we're going to do this in the office from 11 to 12. But the next day I go, oh, I feel awkward saying to him, like, do you mind getting out of the office, etc. Even though, you know, we have a commitment and we said we're doing it twice a week, etc. Because we don't Mm -hmm. have a set time to do it. So let me read you the letter. Any initial thoughts? No, I'll save them all. I mean, I I have loads of thoughts, but I want to hear the letter first. I'm a 32-year-old woman, a PhD student. I enjoy my work, think I'm doing well. I receive funding, so I do receive a salary, albeit a low one. It took me a long time to get to this position. I'm proud of how my career is progressing. But my mom simply cannot take my work seriously. She regularly tells me that I don't have a job, assumes that I'm always available to socialize, help her out, etc. Actually, I'm like, I'd love this. I'd love to be close enough to my mom that she could do this. Anyway, not part of the letter, I digress. I feel as if I constantly have to prove that what I do is worthwhile. It's also frustrating because I feel there's a gendered double standard here. She's vocally proud of both my brother's and husband's careers and respects their boundaries without them having to even vocalize them. Our most recent issue has been that my mom told me I should be doing most of the housework because my husband has a, quote, real job that is well paid. I feel this minimizes my own work, which, while low paid, is time intensive and challenging. I often find myself holding in my resentments because I can't face getting irritated again. I've never held a resentment in in my life. So that part I do not relate to. But the rest of it, you know what? I feel like this is quite specific to academia. And I'd say a lot of academics, I mean, all of whom listen to Not Without My Sister, will be listening to this and finding it very relatable. Because I particularly thought it was interesting when she said, I have to prove that my work is worthwhile. And I actually don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is that her mother doesn't see academia as work unless she was a full-time lecturer or a full-time professor. And I think the problem for a lot of it is the word student. If you're a PhD student, you are working on your PhD, but you're also working. So you're doing like tutoring, you're assisting students, you're doing research papers, you're offering support to professors. You know, I don't know that much about doing a PhD because the thoughts of doing one, it's horrifying to me. I never want to go back to academia. But I do think the term PhD student makes a lot of people think that this isn't work. Do you know what I mean? That you're just taking your time, hanging out in college, just, oh, you know, she's a, a perennial student kind of thing. So could you relate to that from, I think you've had similar critiques leveled at you, not from our mother, but in the realm of social media influencer, blogger, writer, etc. Is that relatable to you? I think anything that isn't a traditional, like you said, a kind of a nine to five or even an office based, I go into this place and I do what is defined as work and what has always been defined as work in living memory. Whereas doing quote unquote work that is related to Instagram or social media or making TikToks, I'm sure some people like in our parents' generation hear that and just go, that's not work. That's just like having fun with your phone. Do you know what I mean? So I think actually the problem is that a lot of these things aren't considered kind of traditional work. But do you think that... Like you're saying it's your parents' generation, but I don't think the criticisms that you received online were from a generation above. I think it was people looking at you saying, she's only posting on social media. She's only blogging. She's only like uploading pictures of, but like it is work. You know, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into being a blogger. Like I see Suzanne Jackson sometimes, for example, will say, you know, this is very time consuming. The amount of edits that went into this, the amount of work that goes into setting up one image, etc. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a marketing job, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I think it's kind of two-pronged. I think there are people who just think this isn't a job because, or like this shouldn't be a job because it's ridiculous, right? 
I think there are certain people who just think that, that they're like, you should have to work a quote unquote normal job that like you had to go to college for and then went into or that you started on a track and got from A to B and B to C and C to D instead of like going completely off piste onto this job that like didn't exist 10 years ago. So I think there are some people who are just like, this is ridiculous that you can make money from this. And because I think it's ridiculous, I don't believe it's real. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of their attitude to it. And then I think there is another swathe of people who... I mean, when when I or when kind of social media people or content creators get criticism leveled at them that basically, oh, you should go and get a real job. I think a part of it is like, you seem to be having too nice a time doing what you're calling your job. And I, meanwhile, am in an office from nine to five or nine to six. You know, it's grand, but I'd much rather be at home doing what you're doing, which as far as I can tell from your Instagram, because maybe I do 10 stories in a day, right? And that's 10, 30 seconds. So what's that? Five minutes in total of my day. They think I'm just like sitting on the couch, uploading a picture to Instagram and then making myself a nice sandwich. And that's my work for the day because I posted a picture of the sandwich online and I consider that content creation. But actually there's a lot more that I'm doing behind the scenes that I don't share. But I do feel like sometimes people see what they think you're calling work and they're like, no, you should have to get a real job and do work like me out of the house that I don't particularly love. And I'd much rather be doing what you're doing and getting like a case full of free lipsticks at the same time. So I think sometimes looking at what content creators call work can be kind of, I don't know, like upsetting for people. And I, I like in, in a kind of a jealousy, you know what I mean? But like not in a bad way, but I, and I understand it dismissive maybe and do you think that that world still exists the you know the influencer world that existed at the like you were very much at the forefront of that do you think that that still exists the case of free lipsticks etc etc oh yeah do you think it's changed I think it's changed in that I see more and more influencers not I haven't seen anyone in Ireland but I've seen a lot of Canadian and American influencers who now will state up front I don't take PR because they basically were like it's so wasteful I was getting so much stuff I couldn't possibly use it and I would much rather buy the things that I want to review and then consider that a business expense so I think it has it's changing in that sense the people who are receiving all this free stuff are starting to go this isn't necessary I can go and spend the money on the things I want to review or the things I want to experience I don't need to get this free stuff. And also because there is a kind of a, when a PR company sends you a certain amount of stuff, a part of you a lot of the time does feel like, oh, I better do something with that now because they sent that to me. That was nice of them. And it's not quite as cynical as like, I'm going to do this because I want them to keep sending me stuff. But you're like, that person sent me a nice gift. I should be appreciative and share it on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Like in a very human way that you're like, oh, they got me something. I should get them something or whatever. Yeah. But I also see a lot more influencers now doing regular giveaways or regular donations. So they'll box up like all the stuff they get in a month and bring it to a women's shelter or, you know, like the stuff that they haven't featured. Whereas I feel like 10 years ago, it was more like, I'm going to box up the stuff I'm not using. Whereas now, and maybe it's just the way they're saying it. And maybe they're still doing the exact same thing, but people are talking more like, you know what, I featured X, Y, Z and everything else is going to a women's shelter because if I really needed a new lipstick, I would just buy it. And do you think that companies do like you do purchase a lot of things on Instagram, right? So you are influenced. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I oh, purchase yeah. things on Instagram too, but not so, not so many, I feel like, because I've had not necessarily great experiences in every case. I think mm-hmm. I've, I've been less, I, I find it less transparent than other maybe um vehicles sometimes you know just things have arrived the quality looks different the, yeah. si- the scale yeah. size looks different whatever I don't tend to get that like if I go to with a more traditional format yeah. you know do you do you trust people would you buy something that is recommended to you by an influencer that you like how do you go about making those purchases or is it more things that you're targeted with no I will buy things that I see on influencers it used to be so it used to be more makeup now I think I wouldn't necessarily 
trust is the wrong word, but I'm just more like, you know what? You don't know any more about makeup or skincare than I do. And just because that works for your skin doesn't mean it's going to work for mine. So if I see somebody going, this is a paid partnership with like X brand and I'm recommending this face cream, I'll still try and do my own research. Sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, that packaging is so nice. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to try it. You know what I mean? Like I'm very easily influenced in a very basic way where it's just simple. I'm like, I like the look of that. I like the packaging. I like you know, like the price point, it's ridiculously expensive, sounds perfect for me, like, I'll buy it. (laughs) There was that thing recently on TikTok where an influencer whose name I don't know was pulled up for wearing fake lashes in an Instagram ad for mascara or TikTok where she'd gone, oh my God, guys, like I got this new mascara and it's amazing. Like, let me show you the before and after. And in the after she was wearing false lashes, right? And there was a big furore over it. People were like, can't believe you would mislead your followers, blah, blah, blah. And then other people were pointing out mascara ads have been using false lashes for years, now, they do now have to put in a little disclaimer, don't they? Or maybe that's only in the UK. I think they have to say this think? This image was enhanced. I think so. But if you know something has been hashtagged ad or is a paid partnership, you know that the person selling that product is being paid to make it look as good as possible. So if somebody says to you, oh my God, this is the most amazing foundation. Do I trust that it is the most amazing foundation if it's an ad? Not really, but it makes me aware of the foundation. You know what I mean? I yeah. know it exists. I know the name of it. I'm like, oh, that looks okay. Like, I might try that next time I'm in Ulta or Sephora or whatever. I do more by clothes. If I see an influencer wearing clothes and they're like, oh my God, I bought these jeans. They're so nice. They're high-waisted. They're this, they're that. Because I find that seeing that kind of stuff on quote unquote real people helps me a lot more than seeing it on the models. You know what I mean? When you can see it on somebody moving around in front of their mirror and showing you details and stuff. So I will buy clothes more from influencers than I would beauty and skincare. The thing is as well, I don't follow anybody who I think would outright lie. And if I thought somebody would outright lie, I just wouldn't follow them. So like if I think somebody is coming on doing like an ad for something and I'm going, there's no way in hell. Like if I'm following Eva Longoria, she's like, I just dyed my hair at home with my L'Oreal true match or whatever. I'm like, fuck off, Eva. You did not. You went to like the Vidal Sassoon <laughs> salon in Beverly Hills. You know what I mean? I like the way you're on first name terms. I think that uh, <laughs> etiquette, that etiquette thing we just read said that if you're going to speak about a celebrity, you should give their full name because just calling them by their first name sounds really obnoxious. So, well, I had already said Eva Longoria, so it was only in the second mention. Massive fail there, Rosemary. Okay, let's go back to the letter. Our most recent issue had been my mom told me I should be doing most of the housework because my husband has a real job that is well paid. So, as somebody who works from home now with mm-hmm. a husband who's now back at work and that's been your you know the majority of your experience do how do you feel the household tasks are divvied up is it fair or is Listen. it not fair especially in the last couple of months when brandon was at home do well, you this think is what that i was about to say Even credit when he was, was given home, to you yeah no and when he was at home and i was working full-time and plus you know what i mean full-time plus trying to do extra stuff because he had been laid off and i was trying to make more money i was still doing more of the housework but i think that's also a gendered thing I mean, sorry, I think that's the most obvious statement in the world. I think that's a gender thing. Women tend to take on more of the housework. But it's not because the men don't do it or because the women take it on? Do the I men, think like, both. It- I think men weaponize their incompetence. I did a piece for Evoke recently on weaponized incompetence. And men use the fact that like, oh, I'm just not very good at folding the towels. And you go, I'll just do it. You know what I mean? You're like, it's actually not hard to fold towels and you could just figure it out. Like as long as you don't pile them in a bunch in the cupboard. Look, that's something I'm definitely working on in my relationship, even though dads tell me over and over again, just to get that, get on with things. You'll just spend your whole life nagging and you'll get nowhere. Nagging. Fucking anyway, words that I hate. Breaths, it is nagging. It breaths. is nagging. That yeah. word, let me just even look up the definition of that word. The definition of nagging is a woman pointing out something that you've done wrong. 
or have failed to do. Annoy or irritate a person with persistent fault finding or continuous urging. Now, I'm sorry, but like, is this not victim blaming? If there is persistent fault finding because there are persistent faults, then is the person not a persistent faulter? Should I not just be like, you're a nag, you're a fault? You know what, actually, next time you could go stop being such a naggy. Because like they're the ones with the problem. They're getting annoyed because yeah. they're pointing out the fact that you didn't do yeah. what you were supposed to do. This is typical now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is typical. That is typical, Beatrice. But uh, yeah, I think as somebody working from home, you do get the... Okay, in my experience, I don't know that there's necessarily an expectation from Brandon that I will do more of the housework. I don't think there is. If he was to actually be asked outright, he would say, no, I don't expect that. But I think being at home... And just being here and seeing the house, like like stuff like I always try and make the bed, like especially when my office was in the bedroom, I felt like I couldn't sit down and start working until the bed was made. So you end up kind of doing all the tidying first. Whereas if I was going out to the office, I wouldn't be looking at any of it. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to do the laundry on my lunch break. I wouldn't be able to run the dishwasher after I have my breakfast. Do you know what I mean? So all those kind of things, you do end up taking on way more of the housework. And I think, you know what, when Brandon lost his job and I was talking on social media about him losing his job and it being very difficult. And I mentioned that we had stopped getting our cleaner. And I remember seeing a few comments from people basically going, oh my God, what do they need a cleaner for? She's at home all day. And like, that's similar. I'm at home all day, but I'm working from home all day. And actually, not only am I working from home, I'm also looking after the baby. So like, it's not as simple as... Yeah, no. So do you think that people... So that's actually interesting. So do you think that... I I don't know, have anybody to ask or anything that I could look up for this, but do you think that when people started doing hybrid work, that cleaning people would have lost their jobs, that people then assumed, then expected themselves to do more around the house even if they're working between nine to five? Or do you think that's where the employer's frustration comes in? Like they're not available all the time between nine to five. What are they doing? Running errands, cleaning their house, etc. I don't know if, I mean, so this is complete speculation, right? If the instance of people getting cleaners or getting, you know, help at home, if it went down, I feel like a lot of that would just be to do with people don't feel comfortable being in the house with their cleaner or their laundry pairs or you know like whoever they're hired to do whatever around the house and I mean it was different because it was COVID right so when COVID was happening in the height of it a lot of people were like we're not getting our cleaner because it's just exposing us all to more people or you know he's not working she's not working whatever but I think a big part of it if people are now hybrid working and have decided not to have a cleaner I'd say a big part of it is like I feel too awkward because I feel really awkward if I'm in the house when the cleaner's here. Do you mean I feel like I should be helping her? Oh, I don't feel awkward, but I'd say it's also, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously people like, you know, budgets, income is a problem, right? So for a lot Mm -hmm. of people also, I mean, just in general, in life, but also now, you know, with kind of people being let go and laid off, like me being a prime example. But also um, there's a benefit also to allowing yourself to work and not be distracted by like to have a break and take a break instead of as you're saying do the laundry like the day is very hectic when you're I find when I'm here and I'm working and then when I stand up to make up to whatever I'm like I'll just throw this thing as a dishwasher I'll run in put on Mm -hmm. a wash like Mm -hmm. you're very hectic now of course it makes things easier later on that evening potentially but it adds a lot to the stress of the day you know Yeah, it does. And I mean, one of the things that I find working from home that I think never occurs to anybody when they're like, get a real job, is that you don't end up taking any breaks. So obviously I'm eating, right? But if I go down to have lunch, if I'm in the office and I'm going out to have lunch, I'll go down, get something to eat, eat it and come straight back up to the office. I'm not taking 45 minutes or an hour to sit down and like read a book and relax. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm working. Do you think people think think, think that of you or you're suggesting people do that in offices? I'm suggesting in a lot of offices or any any offices that I've worked in, I know your experience is very different, but any offices that I've worked in in Ireland, everybody took their lunch break. 
But did they read a book? Oh, maybe. But like the entire office would stand up and get their coats and their bags on and go outside, go out and get lunch, eat lunch in the kitchen and then go for a walk or everybody would down tools. You know what I mean? Sounds great. Yeah, it was quite nice. But I don't do that at all anymore. Maybe you should. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss that's not to say that I think I'm working harder than people who have a nine-to-five job I don't and I think as a content creator and as a writer especially the time that I am actively working is definitely not 40 hours a week because I can't write for 40 hours a week because I need to spend some time reading and I need to spend some time thinking and I need to spend some time planning and I need to spend some time researching. And then I also need to spend some time gazing out the window and playing Minesweeper on my phone because I'm trying to just clear my mind and get over a hump of like, oh, I can't, I can't write right now. I have nothing to say. You know what I mean? So there are definitely moments where I'm more productive and less productive. And I don't think I'm, but you know what? People in offices as well aren't exactly 100% productivity all day long. Not all people in offices. I read a great article, don't know in what, but I don't know who, what the woman's name was either. You'd be surprised to hear, but some, I think she worked in banking or investment, an Irish woman. And she said that she drops her kids to school. Then she works from home, right? Then she came, comes home. She has meetings, blah, blah, blah. Then she takes a lunch break, goes for a three mile jog. And I was like, now that's what's wrong with me, right? She goes for a three mile jog to get her exercise in and then comes back and has, you know, the exercise done throughout the day. I was like, I don't really understand because she was like the CEO of a company or I'm like, I don't really understand how the CEO gets to buzz off for an hour and a half, but like fair play to her, right? Well, if the CEO can't, who can? Well, I mean, that's not actually how it works, but like I know. in most companies, but also, I mean, maybe only I would take an hour and a half to run three miles. So like it might only take her 20 minutes, right? <laughs> 
But I mean, at the same time, I was admiring, like even with the bitchy comment, like I am admiring that discipline and like prioritizing the right things, right? Because that is how you get all those things done. Then I feel great. I come back and I've like taken my break. And I mean, I'm sure the world hasn't collapsed either, you know, with her doing that. Sure. When I used to work at Stellar, I used to go out into my weightlifting class at lunch. That was truly a golden era for me. Yeah, honest to God. But like, would you, what I, I was getting back now to, I mean, obviously, listen, I have no structure to my day. I am not a good example of anything right now. So just will come back to me when I actually have figured out what's next. And I'm like randomly applying. I'm looking at my, I'm doing interviews. I'm calling recruiters. I'm looking at my resume and hating it. I'm doing a new version, deleting it. Like I need to, you know, I I feel like I need to take a little break, which I'm about to do and just play Lego with Fox. The other day he nearly started crying. He was like, I said, I'm going to take a phone call. Don't go back to work, mom. We love you. It's so nice to have you at home all the time. I was like, oh, Oh, he's right. I'd happily retire right now, Foxy. So cute. Oh, but I wouldn't happily retire to anybody listening who'd like to employ me. I'm very, very, very keen to get She's back very to committed to working right very, up to retirement yes. age. Very dedicated. And beyond. Mm-hmm. I give it all I've got, work every hour God gives me, etc. But I would like she to She thinks the French are mad. She's like, they're mad, mad striking. <laughs> mad. Just message me, email me any hour of the day. I'm your woman. Oh, you're my woman. Poor Foxy. That sounded weird. Oh, that Poor was Poor nice. Foxy is right. But anyway, I was thinking maybe that's something I need to build back into my day. I met with somebody the other day who is now self-employed herself. And she said that what she likes most about it is the work-life balance and that she can spend 20 years in a corporate environment, 25, I think. And she was saying she now has the ability to be home for her kids in the evening if she, you know, if mm. they need her, you know, specific evenings. She does Pilates twice a week in the morning before work and doesn't worry about like arriving into the office at 9.15 kind of thing, you know? Sorry, you were going to suggest something to me about how I schedule my day. And then you said, but don't take advice from me because I'm, what was it? Oh, I was just going to suggest maybe you would carve out that time to go for a walk around lunchtime or whatever, especially as the weather's getting nicer, you know, to get out and with Atlas in the buggy and go for like a 20 minute around the neighborhood. Oh, well, I was going to go for a walk yesterday, the day before yesterday, and then I looked at the weather, it was minus three degrees. So the weather has not got that much nicer yet. But yes, like, right. I th- said, that when is... the weather gets, when the oh, weather gets Oh, I thought nice. you said now that the weather's gotten nicer. Yeah, as, no. as <laughs> I know, winter is never ending. That is vaguely in my plan. Although I think it was also vaguely in my plan last spring. And I probably went for approximately, and by approximately, I mean precisely two walks. This year, <laughs> this year I'm planning to build on that and go for at least three walks. And who knows, oh, next job. year it could be Listen. four. Thanks. Yeah, good job. good job. But you know what? Just to circle back to that word worthwhile again, I've, I've been thinking about that, like about what jobs we deem worthwhile. And I think, I mean, not to beat the same old drum, I think a lot of the time it does also come back to what are traditionally male roles and women's works being seen as not worthwhile. And like, not that academia is women's work necessarily, but I think a lot of the time we think of worthwhile jobs as being like a doctor or a teacher or a surgeon or a pilot, or all these things that are necessary. But then who's to say what job is worthwhile? Now, I debate that a little bit, right? And I think the pandemic certainly uh, threw up a lot of questions around to that point. What's a critical job? What's an urgent job? Who should be paid more? Who should not? Nothing actually really seems to have changed as an outcome of that. Not like teachers got better paid for risking their lives in schools, etc., especially in America. Mm. Nurses, doctors, supermarket workers, delivery people, etc. Nobody got, you know, nothing really changed. We all were like, yeah, they are the frontline workers. And then nothing changed. Yeah. I actually don't know that it's as much about the gender roles, although obviously a lot of those roles that we're talking about are historically predominantly female roles. I think it's more, I think that article, what we haven't talked about is the salary. If she was at home as an academic, 
working from home and earning twice what her husband in the office was earning, I don't think her mother would have a single problem. She'd be like, shh, everyone, shh, Susie's working. You love the name Susie. Our last anonymous letter was Susan. Rolls off the tongue. Maybe it's the same person. (laughs) My God, maybe she's having a tough time. But anyway, yes, I agree with you. I do think that if she was earning more, like the fact that she mentions that, if she was earning more, her mother would be more respectful or kind of, it would be higher in her estimation, her work, if it was earning because more. Because I think in a way, yeah, I think in a way that, you know, her expectation for her to also pick up the housework is kind of to compensate for the fact that she's not, in the mother's eyes, contributing really as fairly much. contributing. Yeah, she's not yeah. equal in the relationship. So like if she was earning twice as much, I guarantee that mother, not because, it, I mean, I don't think it's about affording help or whatever the Mm -hmm, mother would be like mm -hmm. you should take it easy now at the end of the day you're probably exhausted as if somehow doing the same amount of work but earning five times the amount for it is more tiring means you're working harder yeah it's so interesting isn't it i think it also ties into obviously the value that we assign people relative to the monetary value of their work that we think that somebody who's earning two hundred thousand dollars as a cardiac surgeon we're like oh well they're really earning that because that's a really important job but then we have an issue with somebody earning two hundred thousand dollars as a singer because we're like oh well that's not you know what i mean it's almost like we need the remuneration to be directly in line with how worthwhile or valuable we think the work is when that's just not how the world works yeah sadly and like arguably as well depending on what her phd is on i mean not but like arguably working in education is a lot more valuable than a lot of industries that we would consider worthwhile or valuable you know what i mean in the long term what are we going to be left with knowledge knowledge and a lot of plastic so profound and mildly depressing yeah good one and music. Well, hopefully. in the end, we're just going to be left with all the same music. It'll just be all vocoded. What do you mean, mom? What are you talking about? I'm telling you, mom sang Wheela Wheela Wallia at least eight times during this trip. And I kept having to tell her to cut it out. It is not appropriate oh for Oh my God, Bran- I was just about to say, Brandon, what? let me sing that to the kids. Yeah, you can sing it to the kids. Mom keeps trying. Are you the woman that killed the child? I'm like, mom, oh, sorry. It's sorry. So dark, like, that's, a, that's a case now of music living on. Even when, questionably, shouldn't. Oh my God, maybe we should sing that at mom's funeral. Oh, poor mom. Stop, Rosemary, too soon. They're only just gone home. I need them to come back soon. That was a deep cut. I was referencing back episode one, Not Without Our Mother, when we talked about the song we'd sing at mom's funeral. It wasn't about I her, know. it was about the podcast. Oh, I know. Well, anyway, she's going to be getting the Christmas song she wants, but denies it. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to not without my sister if you could take a screenshot wherever you're listening to this podcast share it on instagram share it on twitter share it on facebook we'd really appreciate it we'd like to get more listeners we'd like to get more ears on the podcast we'd like to we'd get like more to share our thoughts. we'd like to we'd go like on to a share... world tour oh we'd love that we'd like to share our thoughts with more people who'd love to hear them we'd like to hear your thoughts on working from home or this guardian letter or being in academia or having an annoying mother slash mother-in-law. This week on the Patreon, we'll be talking about wise selfishness, the benefits of being selfish and how you can make selfishness actually selfless. It'll be more interesting than it sounds, I promise. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, I'm like, what? Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Not Without My Sister is recorded in studio in Fort Wayne by Don Kirkland, who also wrote our theme tune and the original illustration is by Lindsay Nielsen. 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 